0: praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you for reading our scripture passage for today. And again, that's from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 from the NIV. And uh, we continue in our Acts series called the the Spirit-Infused Multi-Ethnic Church. And it's been a Great journey. Um, We are still in chapter two and we're at the end part of chapter two. And uh, one of the patterns that you see in the book of Acts are occasionally at key transition moments, at key events in the book of Acts. Um, There are, Luke gives us summary statements at the end of a chapter, at the end of, uh, as a transition at the end. And these summary statements uh, point towards uh, or kind of summarize or describe the internal um, growth of the church and also the external growth of the church. And so Acts 2.42-2.47, to 247, actually if you can add uh, verse 41 in that, provides the first summary. Um, the church is growing um, internally, but in the ways that they live out life together as a church and also externally uh believers are being added to the community of faith daily. Let me pray and we'll dive in. God, thank you so much for this word and thank you that your word is alive and continues to speak uh, to us today. And help us to glean as individuals, but more importantly as a ch- as the church body, what it means to uh, live um, faithfully with devotion, um, in line with your scriptures and may your Holy Spirit continue to infuse us and teach us what it means to cast aside um, our individualism or our privatized uh, faith and to look to one another, to serve one another, to give to one another as others have need and to lay lay our possessions, to lay uh, the things that we hold on to at your feet. Um, for the sake of your gospel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So let's dive in. Um, uh, I've entitled the sermon, Community of the Blazing Center. And um, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is given to the people of faith. And it is the blazing center of this new community of the way, this new community of the resurrected Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. And it's the fire that begins to push these people, and more and more people are added to the numbers of this uh, birthing community. And we see um, that it's an empowered community, and it's a unique community that lives in in a unique way. And we want to take a look at this because uh, we as the church are the descendants or the the recipients of this legacy of this communion of of faith surrounding the blazing center of the Holy Spirit. And we should take a look at um, what are our roots? What's in our DNA? How ought we to live as the church differently than maybe the world out there? How would this challenge us as individuals looking at the scripture and what it means to live? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And also, what does it mean to be live in community, live as the church, live as members, um, believers in fellowship with one another. And I think there's a lot of implications, and we should take a look at this. Amen? Um, But first of all, previously on Acts, what did we see in the last couple of weeks in Acts? Remember last week, um, after Pentecost and the, 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 the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles and the believers uh, Peter stands up among the crowd and gives theological uh, context and scriptural context for the events that just had just happened Um, and some of the things that he summarized was one that this this thing that happened this Holy Spirit baptism baptism that has just happened is the pouring out of the Spirit promised by God that Jesus had promised And that was promised in the ancient scriptures, namely in the prophet Joel, uh, uh, predicting or prophesying the pouring out of the spirit on all people. Secondly, uh, Peter points out that Jesus, who you knew, who lived, uh, you crucified him. You participated in his crucifixion. But let me tell you, this Jesus, and quoting King David, he shows that this Jesus what is the messiah and this jesus is resurrected and alive now and is, has now been pouring out his spirit uh the gift of the father um, so that's point number two point number three that peter makes is jesus the messiah uh, jesus is the messiah and that we must all repent and be baptized and and then we see at the end um, as As Peter makes a call to repentance like you need to turn around um, because you were complicit in the death of this Jesus who is the Messiah and is now resurrected repent and be baptized and it says that uh, the people were cut to the heart Um, they were cut to the heart meaning they were opened up they were vulnerable and they were they they wanted to receive something new, and that opened um, a way for uh, them to be baptized and to join this new community of faith. And 3,000 people were added in one day, more than 3,000 people. And so that that's what was happening um, before this. Um, and then we have Luke's summary, the first summary, and I mentioned the structure, the structural pattern of uh, occasional summaries, at the end of kind of major transitions um, where Peter summarizes the growth that is happening internally in the church, like how this community of faith is uh, growing as a community, as in what they do in their life together, in their faith, in their, in their spirit. And then two, pointing to the external growth. And we'll we'll see, we'll talk about this pattern more because it, it gets Um, There's more elements to it, Um, but let's dive in and see what we can glean about this new community of faith. Um, In 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Um, Devotion. What is devotion? Devotion. When I, uh, when I got married, uh, I was a pretty young late 20s. and uh, up to that point of getting married, you know, I'd just been a single man, a bachelor, you know, lived the way I wanted, traveled when I wanted, said what I wanted to do, ate what I wanted to do, if I wanted to go out and watch a movie, I'd go out and watch a movie, I answered to no one besides my job or, you know, occasionally supervisors and stuff like that. But once you get married, I mean, what a transition, right? Once you get married, you you become attached to this other human being, right? You actually, after sleeping for 28 some odd years in my own bed by myself, all of a sudden, I have to go to bed next to another person. Or I live with this person and I wake up with a Person. I can't just go and stay overnight, have a spend a night party at some place and um, and then come back without any kind of repercussions. And in learning to be married I realized that there are a lot of sacrifices that had to be made. That I no longer was an individual male man, right? That I was attached to to another person and that I was responsible to that person and I was devoted now to Janice. Devotion meaning it's not just me and mine and my prerogative but um, I need to demonstrate a commitment, a loyalty, I need to work at this relationship, I need to ask and communicate like let's do this, let's do this. We're now doing things together, we're connected, we're in a covenant relationship. It's not just me by myself. And that's a huge, that was a huge change for me and for anyone who gets married or um, dives into a commitment like that um, because um, it challenged my own individuality, right? I felt that my, my individuality was being challenged, right? Um, that I can know like a piece of me was dying, right? Of course, we all know or I should say life with Janice is amazing and better than it ever, my life had been before. She adds to me. Our relationship adds. Our life together adds. Uh, but in those early years, it just felt like, oh, I need to give up this. I need to give up this. I'm no longer my own person. And it can fe- feel threatening to some of us. And so devotion, that word devotion, is actually a really uh, convicting word. It's a really strong word because it says that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Think about it. These 3,000 or so plus believers were just in Jerusalem, right? They're just coming to um, the feast, the Shavuot. You know, coming into Jerusalem. And then this amazing event happens. And they hear the preaching um, of good news and the works of God being spoken in their native language. And, uh, And all of a sudden they're cut to the heart and they're baptized. And they begin, their life begins to change, right? There's a paradise shift, there's a turning over, there's a turning around and giving themselves over to a whole different way, to a new lifestyle, right? A commitment, an initiation into something new, and they devote themselves. One, it's a submission to the authority of the apostles. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? Submitting themselves to teaching, to the teaching of the scripture. Secondly, they're, de- they're committing themselves and they're submitting themselves to life together, not as individuals, but to a new family, a fellowship, right? A koinonia, right? A community of faith, breaking bread together and praying together. And they, these people are filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, right? Yes, they're being brought together and they're committing themselves um, and devotion to this fellowship, to this new fellowship, but it's also uh, uh, driven, uh, driven by this power and this this movement of the Holy Spirit. That's uh, that miracles are being done, wonders are being done, signs are being performed uh, by these apostles, and that kind of adds to the excitement, adds to the fervor. Um, and holding together of this this new community of faith in one mind. This awe, devotion. What does it look like uh, for us today? What does devotion look like in church? You know, when we, actually in church, church culture, when we say devotion, I'm doing my devotion, usually that means in the morning, or for some of you at night, I'm alone in my room, or in my comfortable couch, in my comfortable space with my journal and I'm having a devotion, right? If you were to walk, on, walk in on someone having a devotion in their room or in a coffee shop journal out, Bible, doing their devotional would you talk to them? Would you interrupt? Or would you uh, no? Because we f- feel like oh, devotion is something you do in the privacy of your own time. It's something you do alone right? I'm, I'm doing my personal devotions. We're used to me and God. My relationship with God, my spiritual growth is just for me. It's private. Nobody should enter into that. You, it's for my journal only. No, you wouldn't read my journal. And yet we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47, something radically different when we talk about devotion. Here, devotion means a submission to something bigger. A submission, one, to the authority of the leaders, and a submission to a community. And really, what's happening is a a family, a new family is being birthed. Though these people didn't know each other before this, and they're coming from various parts of the known world and speaking different languages, They're becoming united as one family. And this is the church. This is what God's intent for the church, what Jesus' church is, is that we are all family. We are all one, under one Father, under one God. Yet, we are very different from one another. So a church, the church body is many different, right? You can say multi-ethnic, socio-economic, different people different ways of living coming together and submitting themselves and saying hey some we serve the same god we're children of the living god we're one together and i covenant with you i devote myself i submit myself to this family to this body 44 all the believers were together and had everything in common. So, and so we see here kind of a tension or a, a balancing act between, you know, there's miracles happening, and that's what's drawing people, right? Initially, they were drawn to the tongues of fire and the miracle of understanding languages and their own tongues. So the Holy Spirit is definitely at work with them. the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and that's holding people together, if you will. But at the same time, There's also an effort, right? A sacrifice being made. Um, It's not just words, but it's also deeds by the believers that continue to bring, demonstrate this devotion and draw the community of faith together. So they all were together, living together, and they held their possessions, everything in common, right? Money. Resources, land, gifts, homes. Those who were from Jerusalem, I'm sure, hosted the people who were traveling from far away. They held everything in common. 45 says they even sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Can you imagine that? Just imagine, just contextually, Everyone in our church selling, if they, if you own a house or you own property, you sell your house and give it to, um, write a check to Pastor Dave Sim of Renew Church. No, Write a check to Renew, or you lay down those funds from selling of your house. You lay down the deeds of your property and all of your possessions, your computers, your cars, right? You lay that down at the uh, at the apostles feet or uh, and you gave that to anyone who had need. This is radical. This is crazy, right? And you're like this is some form of idyllic, right? utopian, like this is what communism, socialism and capitalist democracy, like all these put together and like idealized and made perfect. Like who lives like this? No one in the history of the world has ever lived like this. Surely corruption will come in. This is too, like, this is not practical. And I don't think this is a statement, like, this isn't a political government, right? This isn't like, they're not forming an economic system here. What they're doing is they're living as the gospel way, right? They're living like people who are devoted and committed um, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They sold everything they had and gave to everyone who had need. It's like the classic all for one and one for all, right? Anyone who had need, oh man, here, take this, take this. And then every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Throughout here, this little passage, that the togetherness seems to be um, the common word that together, together, together. Being an independent person that doesn't like to receive help or work together with people, I think this is a hard word, like, let's do this together. No, you do it over there, I'll do it over here, and we'll compare notes. That's how I like to function, right? Uh, And many of you may be like that, but this is really challenging to think about what does it mean to what does togetherness mean um, in our culture what what would togetherness mean for renewed church right to co- to continue to meet together to con- continue to hold things together in common to get to continue to pray together to get to to continue to devo- be devoted together uh, under the um, Leaders' teachings to be together in fellowship, to break bread together, to pray together, to be to witness wonders and awes and miracles happen together, and give testimony and praise together. Together, 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 together. together, together right? Us, we. And I think in our culture. Um, we talk about I to and me way too much. I and me, I am me, right? Even uh, even the media. I noticed, sports media, for instance, like we would. We all know that teams win championships, but the media continues to focus on things like, oh, who was the superstar? Who scored the most points? Or this one quarterback led the team. This pitcher won the championship for. Uh, this team. And we like to raise up individuals as the heroes of what's being done, but we don't tend to be like, oh, it was the togetherness of the team and the, the efforts of the linemen and the team working together that won this championships. We, we celebrate individual, individual heroes, but the church, church, here in the early days was about together. And I think we need to take that on Uh, as a community of faith, like, what are the ways that we let go of our privatized faith, right, our self-devotions, our devotions we do alone, and begin to spend more time and more devotion and doing things together. And you may say, Dave, what the heck are you talking about? We're in quarantine, right? This is COVID-19. We can't do anything together. What are we doing together right now? Well, We're on this stream together, and I think when we lift up our call to worship, we read our communal scriptures, we sing together, even though we're not physically together, we're doing these things with one mind and one spirit. We're doing these things together. And as we, even as you sit and you say, oh, Pastor Dave is teaching us from the scripture, there's an element of devoting ourselves to the authority of one, the Bible and Bible teaching, and two, you know, <laughs> to Dave's pastor Dave Sim, who's teaching the Bible. Inherent in what we're doing is, we're we're submitting ourselves to Scripture, and we're submitting ourselves to the authority of uh, people called uh, pastors who are called leaders who are called to teach the Scriptures, to lay out vision for the church to do this, and to the extent that we submit ourselves to these things. One, it goes, flies against of being a right? American, I'm free! I'm free to not wear a mask. I'm free to, you know, carry my gun wherever I want to. I'm free to do this and do this. This is my right. This is my prerogative. And we spend our time, ourselves. So we spend all of our times defending our privilege, our rights, what I'm free to do. Me, 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 me. You can't challenge my rights. You can't do this. And we think less about how we're submitting to the community of faith. How we're submitting to the community under God. Amen. And what would it look like if we allowed ourselves to be challenged by that? Maybe we would experience the more wonders of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit would light a fire in us if we set aside our pride, if we set aside our rights, if we set aside our privilege, if we set aside our ego, set aside ourselves, our individual selves for the sake of the whole, for the sake of fellowship. Amen? I know this is a hard teaching. If you really think about it, it's a hard teaching. People sold their houses. People emptied their bank accounts. For the for the fellowship of believers, right? Even if I asked, even if we, you know, in the Korean church, uh, my dad used to read the people who tithed during service as one of the one of the common uh, <laughs> practices of the Korean church. And I, <laughs> could you imagine if I did that now, like, right? Uriel sec tithe $5,000 mm-hmm. so and so and so love gift $2 oh my gosh <laughs> I, I know you bought that TV the other week I know you bought that new car $2 what and we just called everyone out we just read the what everyone gave we can't do that now why because our finances are such in and of themselves are private right we can hardly tell our girlfriends or our significant others what we spend our money on. Or some couples don't even share their bank accounts. They have totally separate bank accounts. I'm not judging here, but I'm saying money is a very private thing. But in this scripture, we see that that, it's not, right? Resources of money were held in common. How radical is that? How much of a submission is that to the fellow, to fellowship? Yeah. That's devotion. And I know we have to contextualize scripture. I know we can't all just do that right now. Maybe we can, but it might not be practical. We we need to think about what this means for us. And the question is, if we talk about unity, unity, unity all the time, but oftentimes the best that a church can do in terms of unity, this is how churches pull off unity. Let's just get everyone who looks the same, makes the same amount of money, is from the same education level, same social economic class, likes the same type of worship music, dresses the same, and let's all gather in a room and sing songs that we all like together. It's easy to pull that off. We are all birds of a feather flocking together. But how do you bring a community of difference, diversity, And then make true unity. You only do that by the Holy Spirit of God, one, and through submission to that whole. And that's something, that's an idol in our culture. This independence. We need to submit. And maybe if more church people, more of us submitted in the church, our churches would be More on fire. Amen. But when I say submit. You're like oh my gosh. I'm scared because there's so much. Right. Churches are corrupt or it's the institution. But you know what. The people of God aren't called to protect ourselves. Right. I think God is calling us to give to be devoted. To lay things down, to be cut to the heart, to lay the things that we hold and protect, and to give those over at the feet of God, at the feet of his church. Woo! That's hard teaching, right? Even as I say that, I'm like, oh, what am I saying? That's too, that's too strong. I'm saying, oh, you should submit to the things that I'm teaching and preaching. Oh, you should submit to the church and you should give all your money to me Ooh, that's kind of oh scary but that's that's the kind of devotion we see in the early church and then we don't we protect ourselves from giving ourselves over to the church or to the fellowship of believers from committing we think about things like membership and we're like oh my gosh oh i don't want to lose myself right and maybe there's you know there wasn't membership in you know in the bible days and so maybe that in and of itself is a cultural piece. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that God wants you to submit to his word. And that God wants you to submit to the fellowship to the family. So yes, there's bad, there's bad organizations out there, there's bad churches, there's bad leaders out there. But what is, who is God calling you to lay, at the, to lay your stuff at the feet of? Because you can't have your faith by yourself. Right? You can't worship God by yourself all the time. You're being called to a radical devotion to the community of faith. And when people submit like that, that's when the Holy Spirit moves, right? We all want to be heroes in the West. We all want to be the one that the Holy Spirit baptizes. I'm the one who's doing miracles. I'm the one that's healing. I'm the one who's prophesying. I'm the one who's making your leg extended when I lay hands on you. I'm the one who's speaking in tongues. No one understands, but I'm doing it, right? But the reason why we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit more in the church in the West is because we don't submit to the group, to the fellowship, to the community. We all want to be heroes. But the Holy Spirit moves, we see this in fellowship. The Holy Spirit moves as the body of Christ is submitted to one another. And we'll see in later chapters what happens when people undermine that. And Ananias and Sapphira. We see what happens when people go against that. So they sold everything, all their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, every day, they met together in the temple courts. And again, a repeat, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. With glad and sincere hearts. Man, this is like the Brady Bunch. They all ate together and (laughs) broke bread together, and they were all glad and sincere. Right? Gosh, what a picture of unity. And we look at the news and we look at our world right now, and we're like, we are so far away from that what is going on and i'll tell you it it's in the, it's in scripture from the beginning god in genesis when he created the world and he made it in order right it was all unified under his word of creation and he created humanity and he set boundaries and an order Right? And then after he created all of the world, he said, now this is very good. Go, spread out, make new families all over the world. Make families. And it's Satan, it's evil that speaks disunity. right? It's evil that di- starts to divide that and brings that division into the world. It's the serpent that said, did God really say that? Right? It's the serpent that first brought fake news into the world saying, the way what God has made good, are you sure it's good? It's not good. Let me tell you a different story. And that's when things start splitting up. And then we get the story of Cain and Abel. We get the story of Babel. We get the story of all these people fighting against each other. The families of God, the family of God, killing one another. And so that's where we are today, is that the people of faith, the church, why are we here? We are here to be a witness to the good news in the way that we are family. That's what we're seeing here in Acts, is that this is a community of the blazing center, and the community of the Blazing Center lives differently. It says no to the lies of the world that says you should be, you should fight against them. They are other. They are different. They are against you. And the fellowship of believers being different and from different places actually come together. And the thing that holds them together is the Holy Spirit and their devotion of them submitting and giving to the whole having a vision for everyone and making sacrifice. You can't have unity without sacrifice. You can't be the church without giving of yourself and being devoted to the whole. Or here's another way to put 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 it. If everyone in your church is saying me, then your church is going to fall apart. And it's what the world sees. The world Does the world see unity, right? Does the world see something different when they look at the church, the witness of the church? Do they see in us love, sacrifice, or do they see selfish, fighting, infighting? Amen, are you with me, church? And to go to the theme of this series, Spirit infused multi ethnic church. You can't, like, you know, multi ethnic kind of, a lot of people talk about the multi ethnic and it's as a trend, right? Everyone says, I want to do a multi ethnic church, multi ethnic church, right? And there are writers and thinkers who have talked about, like, you can have a diverse church, right? Quote unquote, multi ethnic church. That isn't multicultural, if that makes sense. It's, it's just a bunch of different people all submitting to one type of culture, right? Whether that's a dominant culture, it's like, oh, the, the culture of this church, it's diverse, but the leadership culture is still white type leadership. It's still white type of organization. It's still white culture, right? The dominant culture, leading like running this church we're all just okay we're all just okay with that but a, i think god's church the truly multicultural multiethnic church is that diversity is that differences right and it makes things messy when you come together it's like oh, it's hard it's hard it's just easier to have one thing person dominate and tell everyone else what to do then for everyone to give what they have place it at the feet of Jesus and say not my will um, but this be done and I think our country is facing that right now what does it make, mean to break right as people are protesting as people are hurting as black lives are being taken And people are protesting that, like, we need a systemic change. Systemic change can only happen when uh, people are cut to the heart, right, and sacrifices are made for the sake of the whole body. Fellowship, devotion, commitment to unity, and acts I contend um, presents a way, a model for this by demonstrating how people one fellowship together, break bread together, spend time with each other, love one another, eat, spend everyday life. If you're friends with someone, it's hard to hate that person, right? If you spend time with someone, you begin to understand that person, right? to pray together. People say one of the most vulnerable things is to pray with one another. The stats say like the stats, uh, the divorce rates between Christians and non-Christians are actually the same, about 50 percent, you know. Um, But the, the stats also say couples that pray together stay together a higher percentage. You know why? Because in prayer there's a, a mutual submission and a vulnerability in that. I think we're, we're afraid to pray together because it's vulnerable. And then finally, 47. So they're eating together and they're glad, have glad and sincere hearts, and they're praising God, they're worshiping and enjoying the favor of all people. So I was thinking about this, the favor of all people. That means not just in their community, but I think in the whole city. Like when they come across people, they're light. There's something about this new community of the way that people are drawn to. Like it's not fake. They're not like a strange cult with eyes are like, Jesus Christ, come follow us. Right? It's not when people come across this Jesus community, they find favor. They like them. Right? Oh, these there's something about these Christ followers. They they're weird. They like sell all their stuff. They they gave me food. They served me. They helped me when I was in need. And they're they're always joyful, and they're praising God. I, I like them. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? Ultimately, if we live our lives in submission and love and commitment and devotion to one another and to Jesus Christ and to the to family, um, We will find favor, we'll we'll be persecuted, yes, but we'll also find favor in the people around us and more people will be drawn to us and the Lord will add to our numbers daily, those who are being saved. This is what Jesus meant by, you will be my witnesses. Live life in the Holy Spirit. Let us be the community of the Blazing Center. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your scripture. Thank you so much for um, the story of this um, early community of faith after your resurrection and the story of your spirit pouring out and drawing people to you, people who are different, drawing them together, and a true unity, not a fake unity, not a unity based around a strong personality or a unity based upon um, some agenda, political agenda, but a true unity based on devotion and love and, and self-sacrifice and commitment to one another. And that this was a witness to Jerusalem. In our city, in our neighborhood, Will you make Renew Church a witness to all around us, a light, a shining light in the ways that we love each other and love the people around us? And teach a, each of us today, help us to hold on to something that we're holding on as, for our own private selves. Convict us to let go show us what we need to let go of and give over to you and to your body in jesus name we pray amen